Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Well, hey, second service. Happy Sunday. It's so good to see you guys. Um, If we haven't met, my name is Lana Leahy. I'm an associate pastor here with my husband, Bob, who sometimes does announcements. You might recognize him. Uh, And I work mainly with our third through fifth graders. Um, So it's nice to be here in big church today. Um, But I have to say, I do miss the snacks. So uh, just saying, Um, I'm so excited to be here. So Um, So my husband and I, so I do tweens, and then we also lead young adults group at our house every week. So if you have young adults, send them our way. That's right. Woo, young adults. Um, We have our own section over here. This is great. Um, Yeah, and so we do that every every week at our house on Tuesday nights. So if you're a young adult here and you're not part of that group, get there. Um, The information's on our website. Um, We also have two kids, so there's a lot of young people in our lives all the time. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Those ones are two and five, so it's... Uh, different, different kind of thing. Um, so it's it's fun all the time. I'll, I'll tell you a lot about them in a minute. Um, all right. So it's still January. It's still kind of a new year, right? And uh, and so we've been in this season um, with our larger with Foursquare, which is our, our the larger organization that um, our church is a part of. But also just with I think the church in general, just all over the world um, in the new year, we tend to kind of spend some time in in prayer and fasting. And so we've been going through this thing called um, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so uh, some of you guys may have been following along with us. Some of you guys, maybe this is your first time. That's totally fine. Uh, I just want to catch you up a little bit on where we've been. So the past couple of weeks, um, Jeff has been talking about fasting and, and what that means and why we do it and, you know, it's the significance of it spiritually um, and really just kind of bringing us to a place of, of understanding how, you know, we, we begin a new year by just kind of making space so that we can hear what God's saying, right? It's not about, it's not about trying to get him to do something, um, but it's about just listening to what he's the Bible tells us he already has plans. He already knows what's going to happen, right? We don't need to worry about that part of it. But what we do need to do is be able to hear what he's saying to us. So, um, so that's why we do it. And so as, you know, I knew that I was going to be speaking today. And so I was like, okay, you know, Lord, what, what are we going to talk about? Because um, usually it's something, you know, that I need to learn too. And so the thing that I felt like he was saying um, was repentance, so I was like, are you sure about that? Uh, he's sure. So, um, it, you know, what's cool, though, is I feel like this is something that I've, I've kind of walked through a little bit in my life already. So I'm, I was actually excited um, to talk about that. So I want to talk about repentance, but specifically the way that we think about it. Because that's really where everything starts, right? We have thoughts. And so um, I want to talk about the way that we think about repentance, because that's going to affect the way that we do it. Um, So let's see here. So to many of us, the word repentance has kind of a negative connotation. Like it can feel kind of heavy. It can feel like, oh no, I'm in trouble, right? But my not so secret agenda today is to show you that it's actually the opposite. That repentance is is an awesome thing. It's great. We should look forward to it. Um, So we'll talk about kind of why, you know, that, can be such a negative thing a little bit later. But I want to show you guys that faith and repentance are actually two sides of the same coin. 
that if we have the kind of faith that God wants us to have, then repentance will be easy. It'll be natural. It'll just be part of it, right? And if, we, if we're doing repentance the right way, that there is hope and there's faith in that. That it's actually, uh, like I said, it's not a, a negative thing, that it's actually a really awesome, positive thing. And so what's cool about that is I think that when we understand that, it helps us to kind of check those things, right? If I need, if if I want to know if my faith is is you know what it, everything that it should be, then repentance should shouldn't be a big deal. And if I you know find myself in need of repentance, but it's not the kind of repentance that is bringing me faith and and life and hope, then that's not the kind of repentance that that God wants for me, right? So um, as I was kind of preparing this, I ran across a quote that I want to share with you guys. It was just kind of a random quote from the internet, so I don't know who said it. But uh, this is the kind of, this is the quality you're getting this morning. I'm just kidding. I really did try hard. Um, okay, so the more we, it says, the more we see God as glorious and holy, the more we see sin as something to weep over. So that's, that's that double-sided thing, right? The more we see God the way we should see him, then naturally we see sin as it is too. It says, repentance is less, listen to me, repentance is less about feeling bad over behavior, and more about feeling awe and delight towards God. Repentance is less about feeling bad over behavior and more about feeling awe and delight towards God. The more glimpses we have of the glory of God, the more we mourn for scorning that glory. You see that? Those things, how those things fit together. Repentance isn't something that we just dig up on our own over here. Um, So, there's two words in the Bible that are most commonly translated as repentance. Um, the first one is shub, and that's the Hebrew word from the Old Testament. And it simply means to turn around or to return. So it's this idea of almost like, you know, your GPS, like you set, you know, your address or whatever, and you're going in a certain direction. And if you get off track, it'll tell you to turn around, right? And so you just need to turn and walk the other way. Because if you go that way, you're not going to get where you intended to be, Right. And so the Holy Spirit's kind of our GPS, I think. When we, when, you know, we hear that voice of conviction that tells us to turn around, that's the Holy Spirit. So um, I don't know if, if some of you guys are old enough to remember this, but there used to be a time when our phones didn't tell us where to go. We had to, we had to buy this separate thing called a TomTom, and we had to stick it on our windshield. And then there were, but the cool thing about it was there's different voices. And so Bob and I had one that actually had like a Darth Vader voice that would like guide you. And so it was super fun. But then when you got off track, it would go rerouting. So that's kind of what I think of when I, when I was, as I was reading this, I was thinking rerouting. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, okay. And then the second word, uh, the Greek word from, that's used m- most commonly in the New Testament is metanoio. And this simply just means to change your mind. So it's the same, Chris, Pastor Chris told me, actually, um, that it's the same root word as metamorphosis. So metanoia just means to change your mind. And what I really love about both of these words is that they're not complicated. Like it's simple, just turn around, change your mind, right? Don't, you don't have to grovel, you don't have to beg, you don't have to feel like a terrible person. That's not a requirement, right? That's not what repentance is. Sure, sometimes you might have regrets or whatever, but that's not... That's not what it's about. Um, repentance, you know, it can look a lot of different ways because I think sometimes we find ourselves re- repenting, you know, at different points in our life or, you know, in the chain of events that led us to that point. So if we're able to catch it early on, sometimes it's just changing our thoughts, just changing our mind. Something that um, I remember that Pastor Carissa told me actually um, several years ago is, is that repentance is just agreeing with God. 
So it's just realizing that I haven't been agreeing with God about this thing, and now I'm gonna agree with him. You see that? It's, it's not complicated. Um, and we need the Holy Spirit to show that to us, right? He's the, he's the voice of, of that conviction. Um, he doesn't sound like Darth Vader, though, so don't worry. Um, but we, we do need his help. We do need to ask him to show us, right, where we're not agreeing with God, where we need to turn around, how we need to change our mind. Um, does anybody like to go to the chiropractor? Yeah? love the chiropractor. So repentance is like a chiropractic adjustment. Like it, it feels good. It helps us to get ourselves back into alignment with God's reality, right? Because we live, the world that we live in is so far off. It's actually kind of upside down from his reality. And so repentance is something that, you know, we need on a regular basis. Like we go to the chiropractor, we need to have that adjustment. Um, and there's no shame in it. It's something that we all do, right? Every single one of us. Um, so something that I've been kind of working on with my kids. I feel like God just uses, you know, the cool thing is that God will use stuff in your life, whatever, wherever you're at, whether you're in school, whether you're single, whether you're married, whatever, he'll use things in your life to, to help you to see what he's trying to tell you. So for me, it's parenting a lot, right? I find myself saying stuff to my kids and then realizing that that's actually what the Lord is trying to say to me. But, um, but something that's been happening lately is uh, like my kids, they like to just like shout their their status at me. They're just like, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm, you know, whatever. And I'm like, what do you need? Like, tell me what, what do you want? You want fruit snacks? Like what, I'm not a wizard. So, um, so I've been trying to get them to tell me what it is that they need. And so when I said that earlier today, I thought, wow, some of us need to sit with that for just a minute, right? Some of us have been telling God, you know, how we feel, but we haven't been telling him what we actually, we haven't been asking him for what we need. So that was a bonus. But, um, but I've been doing this thing with my kids where instead of, you know, getting, you know, lecturing them and stuff like that, I've just been saying, try again, try again. And so sometimes they're yelling at me from the living room, you know, I'm hungry, try again. I'm, my belly hurts, try again. I want snacks. Okay. So that's something I can work with. So I, I think that this idea of repentance is God's attitude towards us in this is, is just try again try again. He wants us to have the thing, you know, whatever the desire is that he's probably placed in us. He wants us to have that in the way that he created us to have it, right? And so when we come to that point of repentance, he's just saying, try again, try again, try it again. And he's so patient. He'll let us have a lot of tries. Um, So the good news is that every single Bible hero, except Jesus, had to repent. So we're in good company because God loves humans, right? And the Bible tells us that he disciplines those he loves, just like I have to, I, I discipline my kids just by helping them, right? Discipline is the same, same word as to disciple. So it's just this, I'm going to help you learn to do things the correct way, right? So that you can have a, a happy life. Um, and so, so every single Bible hero had to repent for something. And a lot of them pretty, you know, you can go read the Bible. It's pretty, pretty public. God didn't spare, uh, you know, us, um, he, he didn't sugarcoat things in the Bible, which is awesome because then we can look at those things and know that, that you know, we don't need to shy away from those things either in our own lives. Um, but the, the hero that really stands out to me um, as I was thinking about repentance was David. So if you're not familiar with David, he was a shepherd boy. He, he had humble beginnings, but um, you may remember the story of David and Goliath. He always had this heart after, um, after God, and so um, even as a little shepherd boy, he took on the, the giant David and defeated him. I mean, the giant Goliath and defeated him. And then God um, ended up making him the king. And as the king, he did a lot of things to bring um, Israel back to himself. 
He did a lot of awesome things as a leader just to bring God's people as a whole um, back to him. And he wrote most of the book of Psalms. So one of our, you know, a lot of our favorite book um, were, was written by him. And, uh, but he also messed up bad, like real bad. Um, and so I'm, you can read that story in 2 Samuel 11. Um, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. But he basically, he got another man's wife pregnant and then had that man killed in battle to cover it up so he could take her as his wife. Right? And in his mind, he's like, it's fine. I'm gonna, we're going to do this. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, but it was a big deal to God, right? And it was a real big deal to the people who were affected by it. And it wasn't okay. And so God sent the prophet Nathan to call David out. And when David realized what he had done, he wrote Psalms 32 and 51. And so we can go and look at those things as kind of a pattern for us of what is repentance? How do we do it? What does a repentant heart look like? What does a, re- a repentant attitude look like? But the other cool thing about it is I think that in those Psalms, we also see a lot of how does God respond to us in repentance? So, um, so just for the sake of time, we're gonna focus on um, Psalm 32, but I really encourage you guys to go and read those stories in 2 Samuel 11 because um, there's so much more to them. But starting in verse one of Psalms 32, it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. That reminds me a lot of um, a place in the New Testament where Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous um, sermons. And he goes through this list, we call it the Beatitudes, where he says, blessed are all these people that the world doesn't usually consider blessed. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are um, the persecuted. Blessed are those who mourn, right? And so here David is saying, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. But in order to have our transgressions forgiven, we have, first we have to blow it, right? And then we have to admit that we've blown it. Um, and so this is one of those kind of upside down kingdom things where we see that, you know, the people that God really considers blessed are the ones who understand the position that they're in. Um, but I think the other point is that repentance is supposed to feel like a blessing. If that's not something that seems like a blessing to you, um, I hope, that it, I hope it will by the end of our conversation. But Romans 2, 4 says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness leads us to repentance. So as a parent, I often think that my lectures will lead my kids to repentance and my guilt trips. And if that doesn't work, then maybe like the volume level of my voice will lead them to repentance. But God in all his wisdom uses kindness. And he's so patient. And he's so kind, waiting for us to come to this place where we realize um, what's going on. So this is important because many of us have a distorted view of God's character. A lot of us don't don't see him for who he really is. Um, And, you know, even somebody like me, I've been a believer since I was, like, in high school. But if I'm not careful, I'll... I'll start to think that he's like somebody else, 
some maybe authority figure I've had in my past or, you know, um, and, 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 it, and that's the enemy, of course, right? That's what he wants is for us to not see God for who he really is. But we just have to know that that's a constant battle. It's not like a one and done thing where you just figure it out and then it's never an issue. I, I know better now. I'm able to take my thoughts captive and push against that. But our bent is just always to kind of get a little off track there. So, um, so the way we view repentance reveals the way we view God. The way we view repentance reveals the way we view God. So this was the key for me. Like I said, I always felt like I was in trouble, but I just didn't really know what for, like when I would think about repentance. Um, and I, it was something I had to learn. I, in fact, I remember my mom having, I think it was over the phone, maybe I was in college or something, this conversation with me about the difference between condemnation and conviction. And then Pastor Jeff kind of reiterated it last week. And um, I found a little example that I wanted to share with you guys. But, um, you know, if we, if we think of God as, you know, our father, then, and, and we're experiencing condemnation, then we'll be thinking to ourselves, oh, shoot, I messed up. My dad's gonna be so mad at me right? I better run. I better hide. But conviction says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. You see how those two things are really different? One is from the Lord. One's not. One is going to take you to where God, you know, wants you to be and and to be closer to him. One is going to push you further away from him and make it harder for you to hear his voice. So it's really important when you start to feel those little inklings that you check yourself. Is this condemnation or is this conviction? Um, I had a problem with the way that I saw God and his intentions for me. His kindness leads us to repentance and repentance is a blessing that leads us to freedom. Repentance is a blessing that leads us to freedom. So why, why do we avoid it? David said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. In fact, um, I read something that said that during this time between, you know, when he, he messed up and before Nathan came and um, confronted him that David didn't write any Psalms. He was just kind of in this place um, that we see here when he's just, he's feeling that weight of condemnation. He's not um, going to the Lord. And so reasons that we avoid repentance, um, there are three that kind of stand out to me. And the first one is pride which is something I think we all might deal with on a certain level. Um, But I think there's kind of two sides of it. I think that there's rebellion, which is where, you know, sometimes we have like authority issues. We just don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to have somebody being our boss or um, holding us, you know, to a different standard. Um, So we can have rebellion, or we can also have self-righteousness, which is where we try really, 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 really hard to be good. And so then it's really hard to hear that you're, you actually messed up, right? As good as I try to be, it's not good enough. Um, and, and, you know, when we're talking about God, it's like in the best way possible because none of us are good enough. That's the whole point, right? We wouldn't need Jesus if any of us could have, could do this on our own. But if we're not careful, we can let that keep us from going to him in repentance. Um, and what it comes down to is pride. And that's kind of the yuckiest kind, honestly, because it's really hard to see, right? It's not outright rebellion. It's just, I'm good enough, right? I'm good enough, and you're not. Um, that's honestly, that was kind of my problem as a kid, like growing up in church. I didn't, you know, I tried really hard to be good. So um, pride. The next one is pain. So maybe we've been traumatized in the past by angry authority figures, 
maybe, you know, one of your parents or, you know, somebody else in your life was just really hard on you. And so when you think about repentance, you remember, you know, all these times when maybe you messed up and you needed to change or whatever, but this person who was supposed to be, you know, guiding you along in life maybe um, didn't do it so well. And then the last one is problems. So maybe we don't repent because in the past we've had some problems where we didn't, we didn't catch our repentance early enough. You know, it's, it's so much better when you just kind of catch it when it's a thought before it turns into something else. But if it, you know, starts to wreak havoc in our lives and then we have to sort of clean up the mess, um, that can leave a, a bad taste in our mouth and it can make it something that we just, we really don't want to go back to that place. And it kind of reminds me of a root canal. Um, I'm not going to make you guys raise your hands and tell me who has had a root canal, but I have. And usually, you know, the root canals have this like connotation that, oh man, that's so painful. But the funny thing is that it's not the procedure itself that's painful. That's really not any different than, you know, just a, getting a filling or something like that. I mean, they're going to numb you and it doesn't matter. But, but the, the problem is that the condition that you have to be in before you get to a point where the dentist says, yeah, you need a root canal is so painful. And a lot of times you'll have to go and get, um, you know, like antibiotics or something to deal with like the infection and you got to clear that infection up before you can even begin, you know, the healing process. And so I think that that's, that's very similar to repentance in a lot of our lives, that if we let it get to that root canal stage where we have like massive, you know, life problems, um, then, you know, it it can make us uh, see that in a, in a way that isn't quite um, what it is. So, Let's see. And by the way, you know, repentance, if, if it's come to a place where it's affected other people, it's really important that we go back and we make it right. It's really important, but we have to do that with the Holy Spirit, right? And so that's the part that I think a lot of times we feel kind of yucky about, but that's a part where God goes with us. That's a part where God uses our story and then other people get to watch the transformation in our lives. So that part is really super important right? It's something that is first of all between God and I, but then we also have to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and ask him, okay, now what? what do, now what do I need to do? How do I need to change? Where, where do I need to go, right? And sometimes he's like, no, you're good. But sometimes he's like, you really need to go and, and fix it um, and make it right with that person um, and, and allow him to use that story. Like, I'm sure David's not super thrilled that we're still talking about this all these years later, but think, right? Right? I'm just saying. So when we trust God with these things, we like really trust him. We really trust him. We trust him enough to say, and you can use this if somebody else needs to hear it. Right? If it's going to lead them to freedom, if it's going to lead them to healing, then use it. And I think that when we do that too, then we're like totally free because then you've got nothing to hide. You're not hiding anything. You're an open book. Right? So that's real freedom. Um, okay. So verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Hashtag blessed. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Um, And that, where it says the mighty waters, um, there's another translation that says like the, they won't be swept away in the waters of judgment or something like that. And so it's this idea that um, we, repentance, you know, there is some timing involved that we don't have all the time in the world, especially if we need to repent to other people, right? It's something that we might put off and put off. But what that, the part of that verse is just saying that, hey, you might not have as much time as you think you do, right? Go fix this, go, go handle it. Don't, don't live in it and all of the negative effects that it's having on you. Um, 
But also, you know, where it's talking about let all the faithful pray to you while, while you may be found. So all the faithful, so that's all of us in this room, right? That's that communal aspect of it. And so not only do we need this repentance kind of one-on-one with God, but this is like why we do communion on a monthly basis, right? It's like, everybody just get in here. I know we probably all have something, right? And we're just gonna all together, we're gonna listen and give God this opportunity to convict us. And so that's super important. And the cool thing about uh, communion, you know, is it's like you have the elements right there. It's Jesus. Jesus is like, "I, I took care of it. Here, this is to remind you, right? So that's why communion is, is such a significant thing as well. Um, it's just kind of assurance against that condemnation, right? There's no condemnation when you're literally holding the body and the blood that, that paid the price for you. So um, verse seven says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So we all have, like I said, there's this urge to kind of run and hide when we've done something wrong. Um, but God... God is our hiding place, right? So God says, I'm your hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So how cool is it that we run to him and he says, I'll cover you, right? I know you're feeling vulnerable. I know, I know this is scary for you. I know that you're uncomfortable, but he says, I'm, I will hide you. You can hide in me. And he puts his arm around us. And then it says, he surrounds us with songs of deliverance. So not only that, but he sings over us right? He doesn't lecture us. He doesn't, he doesn't like, I don't know, whatever we think that he's going to do, whatever thing that we're afraid of, that when we confess that thing to him that, that is going to happen, that's not what happens. He embraces us. He hides us. He holds us. He sings over us. Who doesn't want a parent like that, right? Um, he's our hiding place. The next part is my favorite. So, um, well, I'll read it first. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. So not only is he gonna hide us, but then he's gonna help us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Don't worry. Don't worry if you don't know what your next step is. Don't, know, don't worry if you don't know what's gonna happen. I'll show you. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Not my judgmental eye, not my angry eye, my loving eye. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle or they will not come to you. So that's a verse that God pointed out for me. I was in college and I remember exactly where I was at. I used to, um, I used to love to go to the top floor of the library and there was this little study room, those little private study rooms. It's like only big enough for one person. It was basically like a closet with a window. And I used to love it up there because it was so quiet and so secluded. And I could just, I could spend some really good time with God there and also study or whatever. And so, um, so I was up there one day and um, it was my, my last year of school. And I was just, I remember, you know, that's, that's such a crucial time because you're like trying to figure out, you know, what, where you're going to go and what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And you're trying to finish up all this important stuff. And, um, and I also had a, a relationship that I kind of knew wasn't really what God wanted for me, but I just was really confused about it. And so I was praying and I felt like God just kind of led me to this verse Specifically, the part that says, don't be a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle or it won't go where you want it to. And God was kind of like, look, either, either we can have a relationship where, where I, I can tell you something and you can, you can listen and obey me, or, you know, I'm going to have to put these other things in your life to, like, rein you in and keep you under control. You know what I mean? It's like he's saying, don't be a wild animal. Like, be be my daughter. Um, 
I think that sometimes in our lives, you know, we, we pray that God will, will do something or that, you know, he'll, his will will be done or whatever, but we don't really like, we don't really like listen to him. We, we almost, we, we let these things happen. We say, oh, it's, I guess it's his will that, you know, this major thing happened that prevented me from doing the thing. And really it's, that God had to use these major things to get you to go where he wanted you to go. And he, all he wanted you to do is just to hear his voice, right? To read his word, to, to you know, maybe listen to, to a sermon or something that he, he had another way to say it to you, but you weren't listening that way. So then he's got to, you know, put in these other things, um, you know, and he loves us. And so he'll do that, but that's not what he wants for us. Um, something that, Jessica actually pointed out to me um, when we were talking about this earlier this week, she was like, you know, not all animals are like that. Like some horses, you know, you can, are, if you have a relationship with them, they're very easy to control, right? Even these big, powerful animals. So anyway, there's a, there's a difference there. Do you see that? The kind that, that you have to contain and then the kind that you can, um, you have a relationship with. So um, let's see here. So verse 10 says, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So love and trust, it comes back to that relationship piece. Um, And then David ends the chapter this way. He says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all of you who are upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, seeing all of you who are upright in heart. So can I ask everybody to stand? Stand up. Good job. And will you just put your hands on the seat back in front of you? Just put your hands right there. If you're in the front row, you can just go like this. Okay. Good job. All right. Um, Will you raise your right hand? Good job. Put it back. Raise your left hand. Do the hokey pokey. Just kidding. Put it back. Awesome. Um, Go like this. Put it back. Good. Awesome. Okay. You guys can sit down. so, so what, what did we just do? That was, that was worship practice, okay? So I wasn't trying to trick you, but I wanted to show you something, right? Because I remember, I remember a time in my life when um, I actually remember where I was. I was at a vineyard church somewhere in Colorado, and um, it was shortly after I had just been saved, and I was in a worship service, and I was looking around, and there were all these people with just their arms raised, just heart abandoned. They were just praising and worshiping God, and I wanted that so bad, but I just didn't, I didn't know how to do that, and I felt so self-conscious. Like, I just felt like there was this kind of chasm between where I was at and where I wanted to be. And what I really needed, I think, was for somebody to just show me how to do it. Because I think we don't always know how to do those things, especially if we didn't grow up in church. It's not something that really comes naturally to us. Um, And so I spent a long time just kind of having like this death grip on the, the seat in front of me and just getting brave enough to maybe raise my hand and then put it back down and maybe raise my other hand. But slowly and surely, the more that I did that, the more, I don't even know where it, where the switch flipped, but now I can worship. Now I don't care what anybody thinks. And so what does this have to do with repentance? Well, first of all, David was a worshiper, right? David knew, David had to repent big time, but David also knew how to worship big time. And I think that worship is, is at least for me, a huge part of that. Because when we come into worship, it's kind of like a fast track for the Holy Spirit. He can kind of get around, I think sometimes our, our thoughts and the things that sort of prevent us from like 
getting in God's presence, there's something about it. Um, and so, let's see. The posture, the posture of our bodies reflects the posture of our soul, right? So if we feel like we're coming against kind of a blockage or whatever in, you know, trying to, trying, to, trying to hear what the Lord is saying to us or just trying to get over something, we can change the posture of our bodies and that can, that can affect the posture of our souls. Does that make sense to you? So sometimes that's a thing that, that when we do that, it'll, it will cause something to kind of shift. And the thing that I want you guys to hear this morning is I, I, I want you to hear me saying that just because you don't worship this way does not mean that you're like a JV Christian, okay? It has nothing to do with that at all, okay? Because I think sometimes there is like a perception of that, right? That like, oh, if you don't do that, then maybe you don't really know the Lord. Like that's garbage. That's not true at all. But what it kind of reminds me of is, um, <laughs> again, kid analogy. So the other night I was sitting at the dinner table with my kids and we were eating something that was, they hadn't, they weren't really used to eating. Um, well, at least the younger one. And so we were having these like scallion pancakes from Trader Joe's that are like so yummy. They're in the freezer section, just telling you. Um, they're so good. And so, you know, you put them in the air fryer and they're like these little kind of like savory pancakes. And so my son knows what's up because he's had those before. So he was like chowing down, like I was eating them, but my daughter had never seen them. And they look kind of funny. They look like pancakes with like spinach in them basically. And so she looked at that and she goes, I don't want that. That's yucky. And I was like, well, you haven't ever tried it before. And she was like, no. And so my son and I are over here trying to convince her. It's so good. Just try it. Just try it. And so eventually we did get her to take a bite. And then eventually she did eat the whole thing. I knew it. But, um, but the point of that is that um, that's, that's all I'm saying to you this morning is that um, in my opinion, this is so good. Worship is so good. When you finally just will like release yourself in worship, oh my goodness, it will help your relationship with God to grow so much. Um, I, and just as a side, like I cannot dance. Like I think that there might be a connection between the freedom that we feel in worship. And like, it seems to me like people who kind of have like a groove are way more comfortable doing this. So I just wanna say it was a long road for me because I cannot dance. Like I can't. So I'm just telling you that if you're that, that person, it's okay. Okay, like it's okay. I know it feels weird. It feels so self-conscious, but I'm just telling you, it's so good. If you try it, you really might like it. And in my house, we just tell the kids, you have to take a no thank you bite. Okay, you can take a bite and then you can say you tried it and you can say no thank you. So all I'm asking for you guys today is just to take a no thank you bite, okay? Um, it's so good, yeah. And it, and it means nothing about like what kind of a Christian you are, right? Nobody's judging that, promise you. Promise you, nobody's judging, but just, just try it. Um, try the scalloping pancakes and try raising your hands in worship. It'll change your life, okay? Um, but there's deliverance there. A lot of times, for me, that's where I found like breakthrough and de deliverance. And I think there's something about just like, just not caring, just getting to that point where like, I literally don't even care if I look crazy right now, right? I don't care who's standing beside me. I don't care who's watching. I think that when you kind of release that, it'll release some other things too, just spiritually. Okay, so... Um, Back on track, scallion pancakes. Okay, so last week, so Jeff talked about the boring life of Christianity and how there are these things, you know, it's really appropriate in the new year because usually our, our resolutions, I don't know about you guys, my resolutions are usually pretty boring. They're like drink more water, exercise, you know, like wash your face at night or whatever. Um, and they're, they're boring, but we know that if we do those things, we're gonna have a more abundant life 
right? Those things will actually enable us to do the things that we really want to do, right? If we take care of our bodies and stuff like that. So I think this is like one of those spiritual things. So worship, I think pressing in and worship is one of those things we can do on a regular basis that'll have a huge impact on um, on the bigger things that God wants for us and the, the bigger things that we um, even want for ourselves. And um, there are a couple other things that I want to add to that list. So so press in and worship. The, um, the next one is seek accountability. So in David's story, Nathan was key. Nathan was the one who came and pointed out what was going on, not because David didn't know, but because David needed to hear it from somebody else, right? Sometimes we need other people who can see into our lives and we need to give those people permission to come and, and let, tell us what they see, right? Um, let's see, uh, because we all kind of have this, we're all sort of prone to wander. I feel like it's like our, my car is a little bit out of alignment right now. And so it's like, you know, you're driving and it's just gonna go this way unless I, you know, steer it. And so that's our life. And so that's why we need to put those things into our life that are going to steer us in the other direction. So having accountability is, um, is one of those things. Um, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So a lot of times we think we're okay. We think that what we're doing is fine. And if we don't have anybody else to speak into our life, we're not even gonna see the areas that we really need to see. Um, and because I have a background in social work, I'm probably gonna say this every time I'm up here and I'm fine with it, but you might need to go to counseling. That might be a thing you need to do. In fact, I am of the mind that I think we could all use a little counseling, right? So, um, so go to counseling. And, you know, it's funny because I think similar to what we just talked about, a lot of us think, no, I'm good. I don't need counseling. That's okay. Ask somebody close to you whether they think you need counseling. Just saying. Have people speaking into your life. Hey, what do you think are the areas of my life where maybe I need counseling, right? Um, and find yourself a, a Christian counselor to help you walk through some of that stuff because it's going to give you a way better self-awareness. It's gonna give you so much more perspective on where the enemy is, is coming against you in your life and how to fight against that. Um, and so when we do these things, it's kind of like having Repentazon Prime, right? Our conviction is gonna come way faster and you're not gonna have to pay for shipping, okay? So just sign yourself up for accountability and counseling and that'll go a long way. Um, all right. And the last one is pause. So this is why we go to camps and retreats. And I actually kind of hate it because it just seems like a really complicated way to do a really simple thing, right? We got to pay a bunch of money. We got to take a bunch of time off work and we have to organize car, you know, trips and we got to like do all the things and figure out how to feed people out in the woods and all these things, right? Just so that we can hear what God's saying to us. Um, but that's just what it comes down to in our Western world because we're so busy that other, unless we plan on it, unless we make time for it, unless we be a little bit ridiculous about it, then we don't pause. We don't take time to just sit and be uncomfortable and hear what God has to say to us and put our phones down, right? So um, yeah, we go out in the woods and we lose our phone and you know, we're physically uncomfortable sleeping in you know, different beds and we're singing worship songs three times a day. Um, and some of you guys are like, I've been doing this in my house all week because of 21 days of prayer, right? So good job. That's a cheaper way to do it. Um, yeah, you, you lose your phone, you fast, you feel kind of uncomfortable. Um, and, and then, you know, you start to hear from God. You start to notice what he's doing in your life because you're not so distracted. Um, we get humble and quiet and expectant. I think that's a big part of it. We go up there expecting God to do something, right? You can do that 
right now, you can clear some space in your life and you can expect to hear from God because he's always speaking to us. We just, we're just not always listening. Um, okay. So the point is that we can't repent if we're never convicted and we can't be convicted unless we pause. And that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting is all about. So will you guys stand up? We're just about done. We just, we, we practiced worship. And so now I just want to practice um, just praying kind of a, a prayer of repentance. And I'm doing this with you just because I want it to be something that you can sort of take with you, right? I want you to have this experience so that um, you'll remember what it's actually like instead of maybe what the enemy wants you to believe that it's like. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and I'm going to sort of give you some space to, to, to pray, just, you know, spend some time with you and God. Um, and, um, and then we'll wrap it up. So go ahead and just bow your heads. And worship team, you guys can come up. Father God, we just thank you for your kindness. We thank you that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. Just go ahead and thank him for his kindness. Thank you, God, for all of the big and small ways that you show your kindness to us, God. I pray that as we um, go throughout this week that you would even just begin to show us very specifically the ways that you have been kind to us, maybe by putting a certain person in our life or um, just those little things that happen in our lives that don't seem like a big deal, but when we look back, we realize, wow, that's a big deal. God, will you point those things out to us? Now just ask him to show you if you've had a wrong view of who he is. Father, we just ask you that you would begin to show us if we have a wrong view of who, who you are. And that might not be something that, you know, we receive this morning. It might not be a quick answer. It might be something that you reveal to us over time, little by little. But God, will you show us the places in our life where we think you're like that and you're actually like this? Now ask him to begin to show you the places in your life where you need to turn around and, and walk the other way or change your mind about something to come into alignment with him. God, where are the places where we need to change our mind? Where are the places where we need to physically turn around and walk the other direction in order to have all that, that you have for us? God, I just thank you that you are good and you do good and all you want for us is good. And sometimes it means that we have to do a hard thing. But I pray, Father, that, that we would not be like a horse or a mule that, that needs you to put physical boundaries on us in order to help us understand something that's really simple. Maybe this morning we need to repent and give our lives to you. And I just thank you that you're the God who says, try again, try again, try again. You're not ever gonna turn us away. Your word says that a contrite heart you will not despise. And so when we come to you, even if we come to you saying, I don't even know, I don't know what's going on here. I just thank you that when we listen and we get quiet and we pause or when we reach out to someone else 
um, and ask them to help us, that you speak. I pray that we would be able to hear your voice this week, God. And especially if it's for the very first time, Father, I pray that you would even help those of us who are a little further down the road to, to notice those ones, Father. I pray that they would be bold and speak out and, and tell somebody if they're making a decision this morning to follow you for the first time so that we can walk with them. And I pray that you would just go with us this week, Father, and you would begin to just highlight the areas of our life where, um, where repentance needs to come and set us free. We just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your church. Um, thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Take and see. 
God, we thank you that, God, that you do speak truth to us, God. We thank you for speaking to us through Lana this morning and what she had prepared, God, just to teach us more about your character, God, and who you really are, God, and how important our view of you is to our walk with you, Jesus. And so I pray that, God, that we would leave this place knowing more of what your word says about you, God, that you are kind and gracious and compassionate, God. And God, I pray that you would just continue to work on our hearts, Lord, to, to show us those places where we've gotten off the path, Lord, where you need to get us back on track, Jesus. And that that turning, that coming back to you, Lord, is a blessing, not a consequence, Lord, but it's a way for you to lead us and move us forward, God. So I pray that you would just continue to reveal yourself to us as we give you more of our hearts this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.